While you remain standing, I'd like to uh, read this passage of Scripture, uh, Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. Uh, the first part, I think, describes where we're at as, a, as, as people, as a nation. I will pour out water for the thirsty land and make streams flow on dry land. I will pour out my spirit into your children and my blessing on your descendants. Your children will grow like a tree in the grass, like poplar trees growing beside streams of water. Let's pray. Father, we, we pause and we just give you praise for who you are. We're so grateful as we've prayed already, we can come to you with our petitions, our requests our hurts, our wounds, our fears, our anxieties, and lay them at your feet. So we pray right now that you would begin to touch our hearts even as we, we begin this, this message, that you would open us up to what you have for us, that your Holy Spirit would do exactly what you want done in each of our hearts, our lives today. We do pause to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, all that they're dealing with, the fighting that's going on. We pray protection that you would just be there for them as a strong refuge. We pray for the devastation the people have been affected in the state of Florida and South Carolina. That you'd be with them, everything lost, everything gone. Lord, be their hope and their salvation today. Remind them that in the midst of the storm, you were there. You are ever present in, and to help. And we're gonna give you the praise because God, there's none like you. There's none like you. You see us through every situation, every storm. Be with us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, you may be seated. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're glad that you're here and we're expecting just a great time together. Uh, a couple of things as we get going. First of all is this idea of next week. We're starting a series called A Place to Call Home. We encourage you. It builds right off this message and uh, sermon and teachings that we've been in for the last few weeks. We encourage you to come and be a part of that starting next week. It'll determine our, our direction for the next several years. Uh, secondly, uh, we're finishing up this series called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. We hope you've enjoyed this series. We hope you're growing from it, that God is using it to impact your life as, uh, as we walk through this. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, the one whom Jesus and John 14, 15, 16, possibly 17, spoke of, the one who would be our comforter, our teacher, our helper, our advocate, our counselor, the spirit of truth, all of these things that have been given to us, now's the time that we begin to embrace and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to do those things in our hearts, in our lives today. So as we begin, I'd like to read a paragraph to you. Uh, it's by a man named Francis Asbury, and see if this doesn't describe what's taking place in our world today. A shadow has set upon American society. The Christian faith is in decline. Spiritual indifference is everywhere. Acquisition of property, increase of wealth, more possessions, this is what matters to people. They are obsessed with stuff and disinterested in God. Addiction is up, church attendance is down, by Francis Asbury. What do you think? It's kind of describe what's taking place. Well, this was actually written by Francis Asbury in 1794. 1794, where much of what's taking place, there was a spiritual drought there was a spiritual dryness that was taking over and affecting people. There was uh, uh, very little church uh, attendance, but more than that, there was spiritual apathy and spiritual decline. 
No one was really focused in on the things of God. They were so busy with other things. Even back in 1794, God was all but forgotten. But there was a little town in Kentucky, a little town and a little church, a little group of people who were praying. Uh, the church was Cane Ridge, Cane Ridge Church in Kentucky. And uh, if I might go off for a tangent, uh, any, any change that happens in our nation, in our community, in our families, or ourselves begins with prayer. It always starts with prayer. A group of people, no matter one, two, three, four, five, doesn't matter, who humble themselves, fall on their knees, and begin to cry out to God. Because that's how life change takes place. It begins with prayer. So uh, this move of the Spirit took place. They gathered together on August 6, 1801. This group of people gathered with other churches. They were going to celebrate the Eucharist or communion. And they gathered and they, they sent out notices to most of Kentucky. And they figured they were hoping for a few thousand when indeed 25,000 people showed up. 25,000 people. It's called the Second Great Awakening. And it was important even in our, 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 our American history. And people came together to celebrate communion. There were pastors all around preaching different sermons all at the same time. People were worshiping. There was weeping and crying and there was repentance taking place. There was a move of the Holy Spirit through the camp and people were touched. And in this gathering of the three days, there were people that left that, that local camping, that local camp and went out through the world or through our nation and began to change it. When people started repenting, renewing Christ in their hearts, God began to do a great work. It began to spiritually reign, if you will, in the dry places of our nation. It began to reign. It was, if you will, a thunderstorm, a faith across our, our nation back in the early 1800s, the Second Great Awakening. And people began to seek God. A spiritual revival broke out. People were coming to Jesus. Church attendance increased. Reforms started taking place. In fact, the abolition of slavery and the women's right to vote it was a direct outpouring or outcropping of this second great awakening in our nation. It was because people had a heart for God that they hadn't had for a long time. You know, many of us in this room, we long to be part of something like that, don't we? We long to see God move powerfully across our nation. We long for the, the great revival to come because we know our nation, we've, if we just look around or are honest, there's a spiritual drought taking place. Everywhere we look, there's a sense of spiritual dryness. Again, Church attendance has declined. Young people by the thousands are leaving the church. There is a sense of despair and depression that is on the rise. That is why mental health is such a big deal today. Suicide is becoming commonplace. The pandemic caused far more problems than people getting sick. We've not yet, we don't even know the full effect of what's taken place because of, of COVID-19, because of the pandemic and what we're dealing with emotionally, even yet I would, I would argue spiritually today. Uh, people are, are filled with anxiety and stress because of, well, just going to the, the store or going to the gas station. I mean, I went to Safeway with my grandson the other day. Uh, we walked in and I, I bought nothing and spent $50. I was more convinced it was a toll tax rather than what, buying anything. I mean, it was amazing. And then you go to the gas and I thought gas was down, turns gas is back up again. And we were foolish enough to buy cars that need premium. Stupid us. So... I mean, honestly, and then you have this whole political climate, this us versus them, Republican versus Democrat, red versus blue, liberal versus conservative, and on and on it goes. And it does nothing to build us up. It does nothing but tear us down. All the hatred, all the divisiveness, all the bitterness, all the, I, 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 you, you disagree with me, I don't just have to disagree with you, I have to hate you. And it's tearing us apart. And 
Yet even in those moments, we cry out, Holy Spirit, come. Uh, we would long to believe and want something where God can send the rain at any time and, and, and all of these issues push back in the name of Jesus. Push back. That he would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out his spirit on this parched spiritual land regardless of the spiritual divisiveness, what's taking place. I mean, honestly, even sometimes in the church, it feels like we've lost our sense of mission. And, and many of us in this room, we long for an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come to those who need a savior. Come to those who need a, a fresh awakening to what God wants to do in our hearts and in our families and in our communities. And, and God, let us see you move across the nation. Let us see you move. That's our heart's cry here at Calvary Community Church. Let it begin here in this place. There's a passage of scripture, John chapter seven and verse 33. I want you to read it with me and look at it. We're gonna look at it just for a moment. On the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from that person's heart. As the scripture says, Jesus was talking. John kind of tells us what Jesus was talking about in the Gospel of John. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. The, Spirit had, the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet ra been raised to glory, but later those who believed in Jesus would receive the Spirit. Now picture this. It's sometime, ironically, in October. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the Feast of... Of, of Sukkot, it's the feast where everyone, it's one of the three pilgrimage journeys where people from all over Israel have to go to Jerusalem, uh, the weeks, the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles and they are there and, and they're celebrating the produce, the, the harvest, they're celebrating all of this, giving God praise for his provision. They're also praising God for taking care of their ancestors back in the wilderness and they would build booths or, or tabernacles, uh, little places where they would live and not live in homes like they did back in the wilderness, just giving God praise. As part of the ceremony, the priest, uh, to begin, the, to begin the, the service, would take a, a pitcher of water and he would walk through the incredibly large crowd around the temple and he would take the water and he'd pour it around the altar. He'd pour it around once. Then on the seventh day, he would go seven times, kind of like a Jericho march thing. He would go and take the water seven times and go and pour out the water seven times around the altar as part of the, the, the symbolism and the worship of God. It's at that moment that there's one who stands and he cries out very, very loudly. The Bible says, on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty Anyone, that means anyone, right? Anyone means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you don't have. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic position. It doesn't matter if there's a nameplate over the door with your name on it. It doesn't matter. Anyone who's really thirsty, come to Jesus. That's what he says. You just have to be thirsty. That means you can be broken. You can be wounded. You don't have to have all the answers. You can have some stress and anxiety in your life. You can be grieving. You can be alone. You can be imperfect. Where do we go when we feel like that? We go to the one who said, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me. And the only prerequisite is this, be thirsty. Be marathon running thirsty. Be Mojave Desert thirsty. Be so, when you see it, you don't sip it. Mary and I go out to eat, she's got an tea. she sips it. I'm already downing my third Diet Coke. She's a sipper, I'm a gulper. And Jesus says, don't just come because you're sipping it, 
Come if you want to gulp down all of me, you possibly can. He's looking for, <laughs> he's looking for gulpers today <laughs> who want to embrace him fully. That's the only prerequisite to be very, very, very thirsty. Now catch what Jesus said next. He said, and if anyone believes in me, if anyone is thirsty enough to believe that I died and rose again, if anyone's that thirsty, then rivers of living water will flow out from that person's heart as the scripture said. And John tells us, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's get a picture of what, what we're saying here. A picture. Jesus is saying that whenever, whenever you believe in him, whenever you practice the presence of Jesus, whenever you worship and, and involve your life in worshiping and bringing glory to Jesus, whenever your life is centered around the presence of Jesus in your life and worshiping and glorifying his name and lifting him up and, and letting your life revolve around who Jesus is, Jesus said that at that moment, rivers of life by the Holy Spirit will begin to flow out of you and will begin to impact the people around you. Everyone with me? In other words, it's no longer about you. I'm just making a mess up here. <laughs> it's no longer about you, but you begin to overflow. <laughs> I don't care, it's last service. <laughs> you begin to overflow and, and, and you begin to touch and impact people around you. Not you, but the Holy Spirit of God in you because you've, you've filled your life with Jesus and the outworking of that is the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to impact. Holy Spirit, come and bring revival. That's how it works. You are so filled and overwhelmed by the presence of the living God that people are touched and moved around you because you filled your life with Jesus and the dry places are in your life and the dry, dusty places in your community, maybe in your family. Oasis, is that a word? An oasis is, is growing because of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit starts to overflow in our words and in our actions. Rivers of life begin to flow. Streams flow in the desert as we read in Isaiah. And other people are blessed and they're touched because the Holy Spirit is using us to bless them because that's normally how it works. God takes, Stephen Olford said this. He said, revival is a strange and sovereign work of God in which he visits his own people, restoring, reanimating, that means re-energizing, releasing them into the fullness of his blessing. In other words, it starts with us. It starts with his church. We who crave for the Holy Spirit of the Lord to move in our church, in our people, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing according to scripture, that as we continually point people to Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us to overflowing and moves out of us into our community and into our world. Holy Spirit, come. Do we want a move of God? Do we? In our, in our marriages? In our kids? A move of God in our community? A move of God in our nation, in our world? If we really want that, then we have to do what the old preacher did. He did something like this. He was so angry about what's taking place in the nation that he went outside and in the dirt, he drew a circle with his foot just like this. And then as, as he drew the circle, he stood in the middle of it. And he said, Lord, please bring revival and let it start with the one who's standing in this circle. See, we always want it to begin with someone else, but the Holy Spirit of God is saying to me, Ray, it begins with you. Put that picture up there for me. 
I'm the guy in the circle. Some of you are thinking, yeah, you do need revival. No, you're missing the point. <laughs> Candace did that one with my picture, but maybe when you get home, maybe you'll do your own circle and put your picture there because if we really want revival, it's the old song that says, it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, O oh Lord, that, that needs to be moved and filled with your presence so that I can impact the people around us. The why and the mission of our lives is to be so filled with the glory and the presence of Jesus that the Holy Spirit begins to take everything that Jesus is doing in us and begins to share it with those around us so that people don't see us, that people don't glory us, that people don't brag about us, but they glory and they lift up the name of Jesus because that is the call of the church today. The body of Christ Consider that moment of ascension when Jesus gathers his closest friends and, and disciples to him. And he said these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's the ascension. That's when Jesus ascended. He ascended because he said these words earlier in John, it's to your advantage that I leave because if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And he will teach you and lead you and guide you into all things. Acts 2 and 4, this is called Pentecost. Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages by the power of the Holy Spirit and giving them, the Holy Spirit was giving them ability. I'd use the word tongues, but some of you would have focused on tongues and missed the rest of the message. It's just how we are. So imagine this. You've got all these guys, the ruach, the wind of the spirit comes through, flames, of tongues, like tongues of fire set on each one. And they are filled with the presence, with the Holy Spirit of God. And they walk out there. And they, I'm not even sure they know what they're saying, but they're speaking. And they're talking in a language they've never learned. These are a bunch of unschooled, uneducated Galileans up by the Sea of Galilee where they lived. They didn't even know. And they start speaking. And there's people from 15 different nations. If you read Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, 15 different nations. And they're all, they, they, wait a minute. Someone's talking in my, my language. Someone's talking in my language. And, and each one, Acts chapter 2, verse 5 says, they were all, all the disciples, all the people in that room, 120, were declaring the works of, my, of the mighty God. We're hearing about God in our own languages. And the words from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And people heard this message, and some of them said, you know, that's a message we're going to take back home. And others said, nah, these guys just been drinking. Guys are drunk. So the coward of Calvary, that's what I've been calling Peter lately, the coward of Calvary. Not Calvary community, but of Calvary the cross. And uh, this Peter who denies Jesus three times. Three times. Nope, don't know him. Never heard of him. How dare you accuse me of being one of his. This Peter transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. He's no longer timid. He's no longer afraid. He's no longer foolish. He's no longer this. He stands up and before thousands of people, he begins to preach the message of Jesus. He said, this Jesus whom you crucified, that's kind of bold, isn't it? This Jesus you crucified died and rose again so that you could be saved. And he just goes off and he said, and the, he will pour out his spirit and all of these different things. The people were, the Bible said, cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and they said, what shall we do? He said these things, repent, be baptized, be filled with the Spirit. And they were. 
And there was revival. There was thousands being added to the church daily because the Holy Spirit of God, as they loved the Lord Jesus and they were filled with him, the Holy Spirit came out of them and began to impact the world around them because they dared to humble themselves and seek the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Max Lucado, if you're wondering what the plan of God is, I think Max Lucado said it pretty well. He said, God's plan is to reduce to one strategy ordinary folks telling the extraordinary message of Jesus with the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. That's the message. You know, friends, sometimes we want big. We want the big agenda. We want to fill, uh, I almost called it CenturyLink. It's not CenturyLink anymore. Lumen. Lumen. Okay. <laughs> we want to have a big revival at Lumen Stadium. We want to fill it. Or, or we want to go to uh, Safeco Field, which is now... team. Thank you, everybody. By the way, they made the playoffs. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Really. Just make sure I understand. We get excited about the Mariners, but not the Holy Spirit. Really? Really? I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. But we want, the, we want the big. Some of you weren't even born when they were in the playoffs last time. Last time. It just dawned on me. But we want the big. And I submit that the Holy Spirit really isn't all into big that much. We want, we want to be on the winning side. We want the Holy Spirit to join us so that we're going to teach those guys a lesson. We're going to teach them that we're this way. We're going to teach them that you don't mess with this and, don't, and on and on we go. And, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, because winning is everything in our Americanization of, of, of our Christianity, we want to win. We want big because bigger and winning is always better. Can I tell you a few things about the Holy Spirit? And I hope it, it, it makes you happy. It's this. The Holy Spirit's not going to follow your agenda. Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity and he's not going to do what you want him to do. Holy Spirit's going to do what he wants to do because he's God and I'm not. He's God and, are we, is it okay to say that? He's God and, and we're not. The Holy Spirit will not follow our agenda. He has an agenda of his own. Secondly, the Holy Spirit isn't about winning a cause. He's about winning people to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's intention is always about, to bring people into the presence of God, to help them recognize they need a savior and his name is Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, the Holy Spirit knows that bigger isn't always better and that angels rejoice when one person comes to know Jesus is Lord and Savior. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor Ray, I need him to, uh, Holy Spirit, would you come? I've got this agenda. I know where I'm going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, write, the, I'm gonna write the wrongs of this world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can I just tell you something? When the Holy Spirit of God st starts moving, it's like the great Welsh revival in 1904, 1905, the great Welsh revival. You ought to go home and read about it. Taverns had to shut down on Sunday mornings. You know why? Not because anybody legislated it. There were just so many less people drinking, they had to close down because it wasn't profitable. How cool is that? There were so many people not getting drunk, they had to close down. The courts had to take a day or two off because there weren't enough people getting in trouble. Not because they legislated or, or did this or that. It was because there was such a move of the Holy Spirit of God that it was changing culture. It was changing society. It was changing one person at a time until there were enough one persons at a time that 100,000 people were saved in the Welsh revivals. 
in that little area of Wales, 100,000 people were saved. Not because it was anybody's plan or legislation or this. It was because of a move of the Holy Spirit of God that changed the world. And beloved, I think we ought to be a part of that. How about you? Say, Holy Spirit, come. You know, I, I hesitate to even bring up this next part, but I'm going to say it anyway. The agenda of the Holy Spirit will always include the fruit of the Spirit. I'm almost embarrassed to read this verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> no, no, no. I like to preach it and you like to hear it. And the gates of hell will not prevail. We love that stuff. I love preaching it. You love hearing it. We're going to go take back the kingdom of God and we're going to prevail and we're going to do this. And the Holy Spirit speaks deeply into my soul and says, Ray, remember, not your agenda. Ray, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it my way. In Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I love this last part. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, don't get ahead of him. Don't set your own plans and agenda up. Follow him. I, I've made more mistakes in ministry when I ever I decided I'm going to go this way only to find out that the Holy Spirit had no intention of going that way. He wanted to go that way. It makes a mess. Makes a mess in our homes, in our families, in the church, in our nation, when we decide to go a different direction. I mean, honestly, the Holy Spirit's agenda will always include love that's beyond my means. I mean, I can love my kids. It's usually easy. <laughs> Got three daughters. You get it. I love my girls. I love my grandchildren. It's easy to love them. It's easy for me to extend grace to my grandchildren, mostly. It's easy to love them. One of them called me at 10.30 last night. You know what? I was just glad he called. Because he's my grandson. You know what supernatural love is? It's loving people who disagree with me. That takes supernatural love. Because I'm not inclined to like or love people that disagree with me. That's supernatural love. That's Holy Spirit love. Holy Spirit love is, is peace beyond measure. It's peace that this world cannot understand and we can't grasp. There's, if everything's going fine, it's easy to have peace. But what I'm learning is the Holy Spirit of the Lord wants me to have supernatural peace when there's a storm, when there's something going on. That's what the Lord's saying to me. That's what the Lord's training me in. Supernatural gentleness, supernatural peace, supernatural kindness, supernatural faithfulness, supernatural that is bigger than what you can do in your own strength. If it's just you doing what you can do, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. I think that God wants to put us in situations where you can't do it on your own strength and in your own strength, you need him. That's why God will bring people into your life that you can't love but for Jesus. Hello? <laughs> God wants to bring people, I mean the holidays, the holy, when I say holidays, you know I mean holy days, when the, when the holidays come up, Uncle, uh, you know, Sammy's going to come to your house and, and you, he drives you crazy. 
Every, every family has a Sam or a Joe, right? Every family. Not us, but other families. Holy Spirit wants to say, love him. With the supernatural love of my spirit, love him. And when that starts to happen and the Holy Spirit starts flowing out of us, let me tell you what happens. Before I make a mess again, uh, a couple weeks ago, Mary sent me to the postal post office to mail some things for her. And uh, I was standing in a long line. There were just two people working there. And I, I got to the front line. There was this young lady who uh, had a, a little girl with her. And I don't tell you this. It's going to sound like a humble brag. And it's not. It's just I could tell you my 50 failures in the same day, but that's not going to do anybody any good. I want to tell you my one success story for the day. So I'm standing there, and it's time for her to pay, and she pulls out her card, and she runs it through the thing, and it won't work. It won't work. I understand that. About once a year, my bank teaches me who's really in control. <laughs> it's usually at Target down in Southern California. I don't know why, but I'm laying for them this time. They're going to they're gonna take my card. But I don't know what her reasons were, but the lady was you know, a long line, and she says, do you have another card? And she didn't. So she tried her card again, and it didn't work. She tried her card again, and, and you can sense the pressure building in her. All those feelings, people are watching me. And you know, I'm not saying, I just, I just, felt, I just felt it. I just walked up, and I said, listen, would you mind if I paid that for you? I said, ma'am, would this be okay if I just run my card through? Praying mine would go through? And I just ran mine through, and thank the Lord it went through. She just looked up at me. She said, thank you. I don't know that I can define what revival looks like for you, or maybe in our nation. I just know this. If there were enough of us who were deciding that we could be men and women filled with the presence of God, that if we were filled up, God could pour out his blessings God could, could bring revival because, it, 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 and you say, well, now there's just two of us. Yeah, but, but what, if, what, if, what if another of us began to say, I can do, uh, God can use me in powerful ways in small ways. I don't have to have my agenda. I can just say, Holy Spirit, come and, and do a work in me so that I can bless and, and minister other people. And all of a sudden, instead of, instead of one or two, well, you get the message. There could be a bunch of us who, who are so filled with the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God begins to work out of us and we begin to impact not thousands, not even hundreds, but just one person at a time. And we point them and say, you know what? And then, and then this boldness of Peter, you know what, you don't, have to, you don't have to have theology 101 to share your story. You just need to be able to say what Jesus has done for you. It's a simple message. I was lost and he found me. I was broken and he healed me. He restored me when I thought no one else would care. Jesus loved me. And it's the simple message of faith. It's the simple message of saying there's a God and he cares and he loves you. God's just waiting for a people who long and desire his Holy Spirit. As we fill ourselves up in the practicing the way of Jesus, his Holy Spirit begins to work through us and in us.
I've already said the Holy Spirit never really seems to need my permission or do things the way I like them. It's because he's God and I'm not. And I've got my plans, but God has his plans and his are normally better, even though at the moment I don't think so. I have to really work at that. That came to bear for me a couple of weeks ago when uh, uh, Jeremy and Lindsay, who've been with us a very, very, very long time, Jeremy came in and said, we've accepted a position in Hayden, Idaho. I'm getting to dislike Idaho a lot. (laughs) That and Phoenix. (laughs) But again, it's, you know, Jeremy shared the story of how the Holy Spirit was working in him and how this whole thing came about. When he was done, all I could say was, Jeremy, you got to go do that. You got to go. Jeremy has led our children's ministry for eight years, our middle school. Lindsay uh, has been, she's been at our church now for about 33 years, I figure, or give or take, 34. Her mom and dad and her and her brother came when we, not, not too long after we opened, her mom Marie went to be with the Lord and uh, Lindsay has worked with me for 40, or 40 years, good night, for 22 years. She's been our bookkeeper, lead, led up facilities, secu- you name it. You know, it's probably why Lindsay's a little burnt out because we put everything, trust me when I say this, I'm not, I make no joke, there are four of us having that, take, that it takes to replace her. You know, and we had to hire an out, outside company to do some of it. Carmen's doing some, I'm doing some, Jason's doing some. I mean, my goodness. So we'd like to pray for them before we go. Uh, Lindsay and Jeremy, one last time, would you come, come down here? I'm going to ask the rest of the staff if you'd come up as well. Someone have a thing of oil for me? Thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. We'd like to anoint Jeremy and Lindsay, set aside this day to say that this day, God has, he has done in the past, God is going to use you powerfully in Hayden, Idaho that God's going to bless your family, that he's going to, when, when you anoint with oil, you're setting, you're setting a, someone apart unto God's ministry and work. When you anoint with oil, you're basically saying, you want what God wants more than what you want. You're saying, I set aside my life. I'm, I'm tired of the status quo, I want more. I wanna be used powerfully by God. I wanna be a, a, an instrument that the Holy Spirit can use to bring about a reviving in our families in our homes. And so we're going to pray for, for this couple. We, we believe they'll come back. That's my prayer anyway. <laughs> but we want to bless them as they go and just say, I really thought I'd make it this time. I really did. 
thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Lindsay, thank you for watching out for me when I was busy with other things. Jeremy, thank you for doubling up on ministry. We were always afraid it changed, but yet God always seems to bring some people along that just makes it all better. I wish, we wish you the best that God would open the windows of heaven and bless you beyond measure. That's my prayer. So let's gather around him and we're going to pray. Pastor Daniel, would you be up again? Yeah, I, I can't, so... Heavenly Father, we, um, we love these two very much. And Lord, I know we've seen a lot of change and, and it hurts, Lord, but there's some change that you realize is you moving in a unique and a powerful way. And we believe that for them in this season, Lord. We believe that this is something significant that you have for them. There's a good work that you want to do, not only through them, Lord, in this, this new church that they're stepping into, but, Lord, a work that you want to do in them. And so I just pray a blessing upon them. I pray a blessing upon Jeremy, upon Lindsay, upon Eli and Zeb, Father. Would you anoint them and consecrate them and release them for this season, Lord? I pray for this community that they're stepping into. Uh, Lord, I know for, for some time they have been praying for a family to come in and to bless the youth of their church. And Lord, this is the answer to that call. And Lord, we remind ourselves in this moment, while yes, there are many different churches and local congregations, we are part of your church. And so we are still in this together. We are still going to pray blessing upon them. We are still going to pray for uh, just a powerful move to t take place in them. And Lord, I pray for their boys, Father. Would they just have such a deep sense of call and purpose during this time? Would there be just relationships built and developed so that they would feel that, yes, this was God moving? And so, Lord, we just pray a blessing upon them. We pray that you would lead them and guide them. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory for what it is that you are going to do. And we cannot wait to champion them in the midst of this. It is not over now. We are still with them. We still walk with them. We still love them. So thank you, Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Here's the thing, as Steph stands up here. What about you? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry for something more? We're gonna, a very old tradition of the church, we're gonna anoint with oil if you are interested in saying, I want more. I'm tired of just going through the motions, I'm tired of playing the game. I'm tired of my agenda. I want God to pour into me and to fill me up 
so that I can experience life change and help others experience the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I don't know what you want in life, but I want more. And by more, I don't mean the things of this world. I just want to be who God wants me to be. And to do that, I need to set myself aside and say, Holy Spirit, come. As I set myself aside to your ministry, to your work, I set this day. What date is it? October? October 2nd. Thank you. This is my day. So if you're here, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing. And as the old saying goes, I triple dog dare you. We can't pray over you for long, but we are going to anoint you with the oil. All it takes is the first few people, and you'll see that others will follow. If you'll come, just to one of us up here, if you want to be anointed, come on down.